Welcome to the Green Acres podcast. We are so glad you're here. At Green Acres, we strive to transform lives with the truth of Jesus. Today's message comes from Pastor Michael Gossett. Have you ever thought about, okay, whether or not you are truly growing in Christ? You know, there are so many metrics and so many ways that we can measure uh, physical growth, even cognitive growth. I mean, if you take your kids to the pediatrician, then they have all types of ways that, that you can measure these things. You can uh, look at different percentiles, uh, 80th percentile, 9th percentile, or those of you raising linebackers, you're in like the 110th percentile. Okay, no gossips ever made it there, okay? Um, but but that's, we have this kind of this system of understanding what it looks like to, to grow. Uh, but what does it look like to grow in Christ? You know, Jesus tells us, we find this in the Gospel of Luke, we have this understanding that there's this expectation of growth because Jesus even gave us this example. In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it says that, that Jesus, he grew in stature. Other translations say that he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. This is the way that Jesus grew. This is the way that you and I are to grow. Not only are you supposed to grow physically, not only are you supposed to grow cognitively, but you're supposed to grow spiritually. We're supposed to grow in the likeness of Christ. This is why our second value here at Green Acres is to grow in the likeness of Christ. We want to connect with Jesus and his church. We want to grow in the likeness of Jesus so that we can multiply for the purpose of Jesus. This growth is this center understanding, this centerpiece of how we are to function as a healthy church member, how we are to function as a healthy disciple of Jesus Christ. But so many times we don't know what does that really mean for us to grow in Christ? And so let's take your copy of God's word and let's stand together, if you are willing and able, and let's read these verses. It says this, starting in verse one, it says, therefore I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. For it says, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive. He gave gifts to people. But what does... Uh, he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth. The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ 
from him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask now, Lord, that you would take your word, God, that you would apply it to our lives. Father, that we would understand what it means to be a healthy disciple of you. God, what does it mean to follow you? And God, that you would stir our hearts toward you. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. We may be seated once again. You know, in similar fashion, uh, we have come to this point uh, in the book of Ephesians that's very common within Paul's writing. If you look at um, other books that Paul has written, like Romans, you see in Romans chapter 12, you see in Colossians chapter three, you see in Galatians chapter five, you see this, what is note, noted as a hinge moment. This moment that where you have kind of opened the door from one room and stepped into another room. And it's this hinge moment that we have come to in the book of Ephesians. From Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 to chapter 4, we have opened up a new door and we are now entering into another room as far as Paul's literary form. This is the moment where we go from what it means to uh, be practical in our theology, you see, it's all been kind of theory. It's, it's this is what it means to be in Christ. This is the, what it means to have power in Christ. This is what it means to, to pray in Christ and all of these other things. But now it is looking like, okay, so what does it mean to practice the doctrine that we have now been taught? What does it actually look like being played out in your life? It's going from principle to practice. It's going from orthodoxy to orthopraxy. It's this moment where we understand, okay, now this is how the Spirit of God is supposed to live through us because of these things. It's almost as if Paul is saying, because of everything that I have taught you, everything that I have shared with you up to this point, this is how you should act. He says, I urge you to walk worthy of the calling that you have received. I urge you to walk worthy. You see, he's already talking about, he's setting up this tone of what it means to grow in Christ. Because when he says walk, he's assuming that you have grown to the point of being able to walk. I mean, you think about it, infants, you have to be carried around by your mom or by your dad or by your caregiver. If you're a baby, you learn to crawl. If you're a toddler, you're learning how to walk, but you're stumbling through life. Any little thing just trips you up. But if you are an adult in Christ, you are learning to walk with the stability of the spirit of God that is living through you. He's saying, so I urge you to walk, not crawl. Don't be carried by someone else. I'm urging you to walk in a manner that is worthy of your calling that is in Christ Jesus. He's saying you should be past the spiritual infancy. I'm telling you to, to grow up, to grow in Christ. You know, I find it interesting that if you look across the landscape of America, that we have this problem of growing up. And it really started with my generation, the millennial generation. We, we have seen this prolonging of adolescence, this failure to launch, this inability to grow up in 1983, it was coined as the Peter Pan syndrome. 
All right, now this is not talking about if you're, you know, hanging out in the house, dressed up in tights, chasing your shadow. Okay, that's not what that means. If that's what you are doing, you have different issues, all right? And two things about that, we're not talking about it today, and you need help, all right? But anything, any, anyways, the Peter Pan syndrome is this inability or it's a refusal to grow up. And it's very clear here in scripture, what Paul is saying is that there's this expectation to grow up. There's an expectation for you to move beyond the care of someone else and to walk and to pass through the threshold of adulthood, not just in the world as a society, but spiritually speaking. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, for my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not yet ready for it. You know what he's doing? He's getting onto him. He's saying, listen, you should be beyond this infancy stage. I've already been teaching you through these things. And so therefore you should be growing in Christ. You should be feasting on the solid food of God's word. You should be feasting on solid food, but you're still nursing. You're still just drinking this, this spiritual milk. He's saying, you got to get beyond that. And so what we think through is, okay, then how do we do it? Then what does it look like? Well, Paul tells us, if we're going to be a healthy disciple, we can see a couple of things that rec will help us recognize if we're growing in Christ. The first thing is that healthy disciples promote unity. This is what healthy growing disciples do. You promote unity. Now, Paul has already talked through and spoken to us through this letter about unity. So we're not gonna belabor this point because back in Ephesians chapter two, verse 19, it says, so then... You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Remember, Paul told, told us, he said, listen, there, there is now no divisions among you. I, I've torn down those walls. I have taken those walls down. There's no reason to exist within division anymore. Those are now gone. And so you should be living as a unified body in Christ. But then he picks up the point again, to not just let us know that he has taken this down theoretically, but now he's saying, you are expected to practice what I have told you in theory. You are now to practice what I have taught you. Ephesians 4, 3 says, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Now it's no longer theory. Okay, we've entered into that new room. He's saying, all right, so I have done this. The walls have been torn down. And so now you are to make every effort. You see, he turns it onto the believer that is filled with the spirit of God. He's saying, listen, you can do this because you are filled with the spirit of God. You have the power of Christ in you. Therefore, you can in every effort, what does it say? Keep the unity. Now, other translations say, maintain the unity. What does this mean? And why is it important for us to pause here? It's not that you and I are manufacturing unity. You see, you and I can't do that. 
We can't just decide on our own terms to say, you know what? Today we're gonna be unified. It doesn't work. Look at what is happening across the world. This is false unity. But in Christ, we have real unity because true unity is a gift from God himself. It's not something that you and I can make up or fashion together or manufacture on our own. It is believers living in Christ, the spirit of God living through us in such a way that we can live unified. And so our charge is not to create unity. Our charge is to maintain unity with all effort possible making every effort to maintain, to keep the unity of this body of believers. Now think about your hand just for a moment. Now growing up, I never once heard my mom say, hey, you need to put your hand together so you can write. You need to put your hand together so you can throw a baseball. You need to put your hand together so you can grip something. It was just already built that way, right? Your job is not to create unity within your hand so that it can function properly. Your job is to make sure if you're working a saw or something that you don't disrupt the unity, right? Okay, like my uncle Joe did, went right through his fingers and cut his fingers off. Okay, now that is a disruption of unity in your hand. Your job is to maintain the unity, not to create it. And it's the same thing within this body of believers. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. It says, for just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body through many are one body, so also is Christ. He's saying here is a gift from God himself is the unity of the believers through the bond of peace. This is from the spirit of God himself. And they give us a, a little bit of help here, okay? So how do we make sure that we are promoters of unity? Well, you need to recognize that you cannot promote unity and allow conflict to exist around you at the same time. Those two things are contradictory to one another. You cannot be a promoter of unity while being negative about other things in the church. You cannot promote unity in the church and then cut down a brother or sister in the church or anyone outside of the church. You can't do these two things together. Our job is to promote unity in every effort possible. This is why it is so important about what church membership really means. You see, we take church membership very serious here at Green Acres because we understand that we are called to be unified together, marching forward with the mission of Christ. This is what it looks like. We promote unity, but we also embrace diversity. You see, this sounds counterintuitive to speak about unity and diversity because so many times we think unity means sameness. So many times we think unity means uniformity, but that's not what it means because Paul says there are many different members of one body. Not many members that are the same, not many members that look alike. And this is why I am so grateful for Green Acres because we really are a diverse community. We really are a diverse body of believers. And this is a biblical thing. This is a good thing for us. We have all types of diversity. 
We have diversity in our socioeconomic status. We have diversity in our jobs. We have diversity in our callings. And what Paul is getting at is that every single body of believers, you are diverse in your role in the church and you're diverse in your responsibility in the church. But here's the truth. Everyone has a role and everyone has a responsibility. You see, I love the way that Paul continues this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 15 through 18. It says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. Or look in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, listen here, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. God himself has clothed you individually and personally with a gift from him. And this gift is not just for yourself to come up with talents within your own self, but this gift is so that you may serve the body of Christ for the building up of the church. You see, this is the design here. And every single one of us has unique gifts. Every single one of us has different gifts. This is the, the diversity within the body. And so what he's saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that you should not be uh, discouraged by your gift. You should not be um, tempted to covet someone else's gift, but rather you have a gift that is going to help you build up the body of Christ. Now think of it like this. Say you're gonna go scuba diving. You have this incredible trip planned. You're gonna to go to Key West and you're gonna dive off the coast there, off those islands. Just beautiful sea, blue water. I mean, it's magnificent, but you gotta have good gear. And so you go and you buy the best of the best. You get great scuba gear. You even get those fancy goggles that don't fog up. All right, wherever you can find those, they're not at Walmart, I promise, but but you get the best of the gear and you just have an incredible time there off the coast of Key West. But then imagine taking that same gear and then applying that to the baseball field. All right, say that you take the best of the best of the scuba gear and now you're gonna wear that gear and now you're gonna go and try to play baseball. Well, it's not gonna work very well. I mean, you may make contact with the ball, but can you imagine trying to run the first base in those flippers? It's just not gonna happen. You see, this is what it is like if you are trying to function in someone else's gifting. You see, what God has done is he has given us the ability to have joy in serving him. How do you have joy in serving Christ? You have joy in serving him by functioning according to the gift that God has given you, according to the design that God has made you personally. And this means you. You see, so many times we try to minimize our role in the church and we say, no, 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 there's no way that God can use me in this way. There's no way that God could use me in this big way. Let me just remind you of something. That is exactly where the enemy wants you to be, is to believe that God doesn't want you or doesn't want to use you in his kingdom. Listen, that is a safe spot to be for the enemy of God. But what God has called you is to have a role in his kingdom. 
to have responsibility in his kingdom. And it's not because of you and it's not because of me. It is what the spirit of God is doing through you. You see, so many times in the Bible Belt, we have the most knowledgeable people ever. I mean, listen, if you go to one of our connect groups, we have the best of the best. We have leaders, uh, men and women who are leading every single week in our connect groups who are more knowledgeable than I am. I mean, they are bad to the bone Bible teachers. See, this is what we get in the Bible Belt. I was reading this though. I read this this past this past week as I was studying for this. And it said that most often people in the Bible Belt have more knowledge than obedience. That our knowledge has surpassed our obedience. I know that that's the case many times for me. And I'm not a real smart feller. But the truth is that there are so many times that I know what to do and I just fail to do it. You see, what God has called us to do is to take responsibility in the kingdom of God, to take what you have, what God has given you, and then use it for the advancement of his kingdom. And you know what happens when when we promote unity, when we embrace diversity? You know what happens? is that we become this body that is pursuing maturity. You see, healthy disciples pursue maturity. This is what it looks like. This is what Paul is getting at. Finally, in Ephesians chapter four, verse 16, it says, from him, the whole body fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament. That's you. That's me. Every part of the body promotes the growth of the body for building itself up in love by the proper working of each individual part. And why is this so important for our time. Why is this so important for us? Why do we need to be concerned about building up ourselves, growing in Christ for the purpose of building up the body of Christ in the kingdom of God? Because here's what happens is that when you have Christians who are not growing in Christ, they just get tossed around with every cultural scheme, every scheme of Satan, every idea that comes across the map. We get thrown to and fro. And look at what happens when we are mature in Christ, when we are growing in Christ. Look at what happens in verse 14. It says, then we will no longer be little children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. Listen, there is a promise that for us, as we grow in Christ, that we become a ship that is anchored in the truth of Jesus Christ, that no matter what comes to us culturally, no matter what happens around the world, no matter what kind of chaos, what kind of uh, tragedy happens, you and I can be anchored in the foundation of Christ. But if not, we will just be tossed to and fro like everyone else in the world around us. I love the way that Paul ends this in verse 14 because he's given us this image of this boat. And that's our lives in the middle of the sea. And how many times do we see with the disciples I mean, several times in Mark chapter four, Matthew chapter 14, you see the disciples just in the middle of the sea, 
with storms raging around them. And it's just a, a picture of what is to come for every disciple. But I remember this and this trip, I was looking out across this same sea in Israel, the Sea of Galilee. And, and I was just thinking about these passages that was just the storms brewing, the storms raging. And one morning we woke up early, my wife and Riley, we got up early. We went and watched the sunrise over the Sea of Galilee. That's the picture you're seeing now. And I was just so reminded that this storm that, that rages on the Sea of Galilee, just what we saw with the disciples, that as they are anchored in Christ, this is the peace that you see. This is the peace that you can really have. But the first step of anything is for you to ask yourself, okay, am I truly anchored in Christ? Meaning, have you ever really given your life to Jesus? Because we can talk about what it means to promote unity. We can talk about as a body of believers, what it means to embrace diversity and to pursue maturity. But if you are not anchored in Christ, all of your efforts are in vain. If you are not a ship, if you are not a boat that has a foundation that is tethered to Christ himself, then any other effort is in vain. And so for you this morning, that may need to be your step of faith today, just to give your life to Jesus, to surrender your life to Jesus so that you may be anchored to the only hope that is in this world. Others of you, you wanna know, okay, well then how can I serve? How can I use my gifts to further the kingdom of God? I just wanna invite you at the end of our service that you can go right outside these doors and we have a table set up for ways that you can get plugged in and using your gifts. Listen, if that's helping in our brand new parking lot team, our greeting team, our kids ministry, student ministry, whatever that is, we have a place for you to serve. But it begins with you giving your life to Jesus. So will you just bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment? And will you contemplate that? What is the decision that you need to make today? Heavenly Father, I pray for the ones who need to give their life to you right now. God, I pray, Father, that they will understand that their first step of obedience toward you is to surrender their life to you. God, I pray for that person. Lord, would you give them the courage to respond during this next song? Father, I pray for those who are wanting to get plugged in and serving. They just don't know where. Father, would you help them to take that next step of faith today? to jump in with both feet with this body of believers so that we may reach the world with the name of Jesus Christ. God, whatever that is that we need to do today, Father, don't let us leave without doing business with you. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to make a decision to follow Christ or want more info about Green Acres, visit gabc.org connect. And join us for worship on Sundays at 8.30 and 11 or online at our digital campus. 
Have a great day. 